opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is The Daily Download. Today, we're sharing another crossover episode of What's Hot in Housing with Mortgage Marketing Radio's Jeff Zimper. In today's episode, Housing Our Editor-in-Chief Sarah Wheeler joins Jeff to discuss the growing number of mortgage companies entering the public arena. The pair also discuss Black Knight's latest forbearance report that indicates despite last week's uptick in requests, the number of Americans in need of forbearances has remained under 3 million. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Extraordinary challenges demand extraordinary solutions. CoreLogic is uniquely positioned to help you navigate this historic disruption. Whether it's virtual home showings, flexible employment verifications, or automated loan modification engines, CoreLogic delivers the data-driven solutions, targeted insights, and deep domain expertise trusted by the nation's most successful mortgage lenders. Explore how CoreLogic can help you today. Visit corelogic.com forward slash COVID-19. Okay, so here we are. We are once again bringing back my very special guest, Sarah Wheeler from Housing Wire. What's up? <laughs> the audience is going big on this one. They're still there. They're still going. <laughs> All right. So once again, appreciate you making time from your crazy busy schedule. We uh, are talking once again about what's hot in housing, the latest mortgage IPOs and forbearance updates you need to know. Sarah, I can't keep track. What is there, 15 companies, uh, mortgage companies going IPO now? <laughs> it's crazy. I and mean, we're talking about how this is this is the time. Actually, um, our mortgage editor, James Kleiman, is writing a feature story right now about why now. Um, why, why is it that this is the right time? Um, I mean, obviously, they're making lots of money, right? But there's also, I mean, if you think about the fact that Loan Depot tried to do this in 2015 and, and even before that, and then, you know, both times that they tried to do it before, it was like, yeah, it's not right. So recently, I think that the latest one was uh, Finance of America, right? So Blackstone's company, Finance of America, is the latest one to go um, to announce they're going public through a SPAC. That special way of, uh, of doing this is not your traditional IPO. They're valued at $1.9 billion. Um, they joined Rocket, United Wholesale Mortgage, Caliber, Home Loans, Amerihome, Loan Depot, and Better.com. And that's just in the last, uh, so Rocket kicked it off in July, but everyone else is in the last, like, what, three, four weeks? It's just been crazy. So SPAC, not to be confused with SPACling, um, that stands for Special Purpose Acquisition <laughs> Company, for those that might want to be in the know out there. And hello, shout out to my fans. Missy, what's up? Shawnee. Somebody says Coach Z is the best. No, you're the best. I don't know who you are because I can't tell, but go ahead and tell me who you are. Um, so I'm reading the definition here of, of, of SPAC, Sarah, and it's interesting. Um, it says it's a Special Purpose Acquisition Company that's a blank check shell corporation. <laughs> So what does that mean? I mean, why is everybody going SPAC? Is it easier, quicker to go IPO or what? Uh, that's what we're digging into, but definitely it's, I, I think it's easier. And, and I just think, um, so, you know, blank check firms offering alternative or under regulatory scrutiny. That's what the Wall Street Journal just uh, was talking about. So, because there's definitely, there's been a spate of them, right? So mm. what is the difference here? Why are, why are companies going there? I can tell you that, uh, for UWM, part of the reason they wanted to do that was um, they really felt like that they retained more control that way. Um, and and it was, uh, you know, Matt Ishbia was very 
forceful about saying that this is the only way that he wanted to go um, public was in a way that he still he still had so much control over the company because I mean he runs it a certain way. The, the question yeah. is. As these companies become public, you know, all of a sudden that they've got shareholders now, they, they have to do it a certain way, right? I mean, they also have to report a lot of things for us personally. It's exciting because now we're going to get some inside look at some uh, numbers that we haven't had access to before. Um, so that scrutiny is interesting for us and hopefully for the industry. But I do think that it is, it's a whole nother layer of like, how do you make shareholders happy and still make borrowers, customers, you know, uh, your clients happy? I, it, it's going to be interesting and employees, right? Because working for a public company as and an employees. employee, yeah. yeah, very, very different. Now, as you said, you're beholden to the shareholder and there's different pressures. And so, Do you think that's going to, with the companies that are going public like that, I mean, would, would there be an expectation that that would impact pricing at all? So the end consumer might be affected by that as, as well? Uh, great question. But I mean, they're still competing with everybody else, right? So um, I, I don't know that, that we'll see that. Um, it's a, it's a great question, though. I mean, we, we talked about mortgage rates today hit another all-time low for purchase, right, at uh, 2.81%. Um, obviously, refire not at all-time low because they're they're pricing in that adverse uh, market fee. So so it's not like a re you're seeing those kind of rates on a refi. But I do think that you still have all that competitive pressure on rates. So I'm not sure that that's, that that's what we're going to see. I think it's going to be interesting once rates start to rise. You have all these companies that are going public and because they're super profitable right now. But we all know what's coming. What's coming when rates rise? What's coming when, um, you know, affordability because your rates rise, you know, what you can afford goes way down. So to me, that's the biggest question with these public companies is like, are they in it for the long term? I mean, you have to be right. It's, it's a huge change. But I just, uh, it, yeah, we're riding a wave right now. We all know. So what happens when the when the wave, you know, crests and then goes down? I don't know. Well, a lot of people wind up on the shore. <laughs> Some people wind up <laughs> right? washed out at sea, you know. Uh, we don't know yet. The chips fall where they may. But I just hope that that means, I know for some of the companies that I know a little bit more closely, they're obviously going to use some of that money to reinvest in their business, probably level up their tech stack, you know, infrastructure, things like that. Their um, uh, consumer direct facing uh, opportunities there because they realize that that's kind of the land grab right now. You see, obviously, the, the plays Zillow is making, whole separate conversation. But yeah, let's hope it's not just about fattening, you know, shareholders' pockets and owners' pockets, but gets trickled down to I people that really matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you think about Rocket and uh, UWM both going public um, in a in a similar way, and, and how that might you know Matt Ishbia talked about uh, at UWM how he was going to use that money to really grow the broker channel. At the same time, you have Rocket who is um, using that yeah. money to, and they've kind of come out what a couple weeks ago saying that they were going to uh, bump up their wholesale. And, you know, we heard from a lot of people are like, and I, and I think some of your people on the show even said, you know, there's no way they would work with Rocket if they're a broker right now. Um, they see them as the enemy, but it's just going to be interesting to see how those two companies use the money um, and what that looks like yeah. a year from now. I have a vision of like boxing ad, boxing gloves that's on Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's quick on one side, it's UWM on the other. <laughs> Um, yeah. And by the way, for those who uh, like to stay informed about what's going on in housing, not only with rates, but all kinds of other deep info about fintech, the real estate housing market, right? What's happening with valuations there, et cetera. Make sure you check out housingwire.com because there's some incredible people in addition to Sarah over there writing some amazing content. Um, and if you have any questions, by the way, about the IPOs or you have your own input, um, I see somebody looks like they commented on my question about the interest rates. They might That might mean they think 
that's going to impact rates. But like you said, we don't know. One would think you've got more money to be more aggressive with rates as well to cover those spreads, you know? Um, all right. So let's talk about our next topic here, which is forbearance. You know, I thought this was dead and done and put to bed, but what's happening with forbearance that we need to know about? Well, you know, forbearance. So we did have good numbers last week. Black Knight came out and said that for the first time since April, we uh, forbearance loans and forbearance fell below 3 million. So that is really good news. Uh, but there are some questions about that because uh, we are at the six month expiration date of some of those people who requested forbearance. So the question is, are, how many of those people exited forbearance in a good way, like with a workout or, or a mod, or how many people just fell out um, and mm -hmm. didn't, didn't get with their servicer at all? And they're just now, they might come back in. So that's really the, the big question from from their research, from Black Knight's research, they don't see a huge risk. They feel like there are about 54,000 loans at present that represent significant risk. And those would be um, the people who left forbearance, are past due, and are not in any loss mitigation efforts. And a lot of those people were past due before forbearance, like before the COVID. So I, they don't. what they didn't see was a huge wage, wave of people coming because of COVID. Most of those loans that are in really deep trouble and and troubling that they're not talking to servicer were already that way before. Um, mm -hmm. So from my perspective and from their perspective, from MBA's perspective is, um, you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be a huge risk there. The only thing is now we're at that second, you know, it could be those people are coming back and, and requesting another six months. Right. So that's what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, what that looks like. So I think we need to keep a, a close eye on it. But um I mean, I, I think what when we first started talking about forbearance, you know, there were there were people in the industry that thought it might go as high as 20 percent. There were people who because there wasn't any sort of you, you didn't have to prove anything. You just said, I want it. You know, so I, there was a big fear there. But you've got, you know, equity in people's home uh, equity in their homes is higher than ever. So before you before you get into trouble, maybe you sell, maybe you refi, whatever. So I, I think there's just a lot more options right now than we knew back in April. Hmm. That's interesting. You said the number uh, of serious delinquency or concern is, was it 53, 4,000? 54,000. That's it. 50, yeah. 000. So that's nothing compared to the 3 million or so that were in it. Right. Right. And and that's what they said. They said 70% of those 54,000 were already delinquent in February. So that's right. before COVID became a factor. So that's sort of a normal, like this would be just the normal people who would be in there. So that's so, great news. Yeah. So the buzz, which I kind of mentioned to you before we went live about um, some people looking to the forbearance sector as a way to add inventory back into the market based on those stats. I don't see that as the case. No, I don't think so either. I don't I don't think um, from what I'm reading, I don't see that people think there's going to be any sort of like that that would be a big enough lift to really get more inventory back into the market. Mm. Um, I, I guess we'll see. Again, we're, we're at that six month point. Um one thing that we've been talking about is the lack of a, of a new stimulus. Um, it hasn't seemed to affect homeowners as much as maybe renters. And so, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to have an effect, right? I mean, that's, that's going to have a trickle down effect, but it doesn't seem like the lack of a stimulus at this point, uh, a further stimulus has meant that we're seeing a, a ton of forbearance. So I think that that's interesting as well. We do expect that in the next couple of weeks. Um, Depending on, on how you read the tea leaves, some people think that uh, Mitch McConnell is trying to stick it to Donald. Uh, he thinks Donald Trump's going to lose, and so he doesn't want to do this under Joe Biden. Um, other people think it's about to happen. I don't know. We'll see. Very, very interesting. Yes, how you read the tea leaves for sure. 
Um, anybody here, by the way, if you have your own insights, I'd be curious to, to, to hear what you're seeing out there or happening in your local market. Is it still super competitive? I mean, Sarah, once again, it's, it's generally good news for the housing industry, right? And those that work in it. Yeah. So we just, um, we're doing a story right now on the, you know, we, we did one on that said spring, the spring home buying season went into summer. And then we did something that said that, um, August was the new May. And I'm telling you, October, as far as what we're seeing and what we're hearing from realtors is absolutely on fire in so many areas and and not just like areas you would think. I mean, you know, Tampa Bay, tons mm-hmm. of people moving into Florida, um, but really across New Jersey, uh, Boston suburbs, Sacramento, places in California, DFW, Utah, like it, it's across the board. We're hearing that there's just incredible um, uh, interest in buying homes and you know, it's still a seller's market. You're getting um, so just a, a personal anecdote. Someone on our our staff was looking for um, a, a home in the Colorado Springs area and had 18 offers she was competing against. So um, that's that's pretty. <laughs> that's a seller's market for sure. You know, it's got to be frustrating for real estate agents who are, who are writing how many offers and, and getting beat out constantly. But um, I do think that for for mortgage uh, originators, we're looking at all the way through Thanksgiving. Don't don't plan on taking any time off between here and there is what we're hearing. I would love to hear what your what your audience thinks about that and what they're seeing. Yeah, I think people want to take time off. <laughs> right? It's, it's been one hell of a year so far in terms of and of course all these companies we've talked on other episodes, these companies are struggling with capacity issues um, in terms of uh, headcount employees to handle you know, the volume that everybody's overwhelmed with. It's like a, you know, a pig going through a garden hose, you know, it's just not built to handle that capacity. So hopefully some of these IPOs, right, they use that money to hire, but that's not a short term process either. No. And, and then, you you know, we all know it's it's higher than fire. Right. So what happens right. to all those people when, you know, when things aren't as as rosy. So building that long term is going to be interesting. Um, we just had a story last week about um, it was an old problem with a lender that um, had hired uh, underwriters who were not or this is alleged. They were they were being fined for it or uh, taken to court over it. Um, that they had, that they had uh, were just so over capacity that they had hired underwriters who were not qualified and then forged forged signatures of qualified underwriters onto those yeah. loans really? so that um, so that they could get them done. Now this was denied by the company and I actually don't even remember which company it was. It's not a huge company, but um, I, it made me think. I was like, man, people are people are stretched, right? So right. maybe this is a time when you have to really be careful to to not get into. Compl- Clients trouble. That's what I would say. Yeah, for sure. And um, speaking of the future of housing and the, and the mortgage industry and so forth, I saw a quote uh, or the forecast, I believe, from the MBA the other day that they expect refis to drop 56% roughly in 2021 and purchases to go up 3%. Are you seeing any data around that? Um, so I don't have any at my fingertips, so that makes sense. I mean, at some point, so we know that there. Uh, about a month ago, they said there was about 18 million people who still would be good candidates to refi by the end of the year. Okay, well, what does that say for 2021? I mean, how how many people can there possibly be if we have 18 million people we're going to try to process from here to the end of the year, or maybe the first part of uh, 2021? There's how many people are going to be left is the question. Yeah. And of course, this is I just pulled it up right here. So it could be accurate. Uh, Oh, this is still for 2020. I need 2021 people. Come on now. No, but I did get that from a (laughs) reputable source that that's what I've actually got it in slides. So to the point of those that are, you know, mortgage professionals, um, you know, it's time to make that shift and kind of reconnect with your referral sources and those that are potentially buying out there in the market. 
Well, uh, it's interesting because we, we we have some some clients who are like talking about leads and um you know, you might need leads again at some point, like right now you're probably overwhelmed and you don't want those, but you know, at some point you're going to need to know um, what, who the purchase, who the purchase loans are. Yeah. So I'm seeing it right here. So next year, the group predicts 65% of originations to come from purchase and 35% for refis. Um, and of course they have something about 2022, but that's a little too far off. <laughs> so that's about flip from right now. Right. So that's almost yeah. a complete flip. Uh, if you look at the, the mortgage uh, apps data today, I mean, it's, it's pretty much uh 65% refi and, and the rest uh, purchase. So that's going to be, that's going to be interesting. It's a big drop. If you've been heavy on the refis, you know, um, if you've been following me anytime, you know, we're preaching that to uh, now's the time, right. To prepare, uh, dig in to your point about like, you know, uh, don't take any time off. Yeah, it's, I guess that's, that's the challenge, right? With this, uh, it's just that my heart goes out to those people who are overworked and overwhelmed. On, on the one hand, I think you got to sneak those little vacations or those little mini getaways, right? De-stressing activities. But on the flip side, I mean, this is the greatest mortgage market, I think, in the history of time, right? In terms of uh, opportunity out there. So one day, you'll, you, you know, hopefully you look back and you're like, remember when I made all that hay? and sock it all away <laughs> and we got a garage full of hay. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for for my, people. My only question is like how how people are dealing with that incredible volume when they're also maybe homeschooling their kids. I mean, yeah. that's that's the wrinkle here is that childcare uh or may not even be homeschooling, it might be younger than that. How do you do that um when you're when you're managing family stuff at the same time? No, I know. It's a it's a constant conversation I have with the conversations uh, of LOs all across the country. It's challenging. Yeah. Um I Luckily, thank God, you know, I don't have to deal with that uh, additional stress, but it is a factor of life. Um, I don't want to get into this, you know, stories that are happening out there, but we have to also, I think, remember this. Hey, these are, these are unprecedented times in a lot of different ways. And we have to remember to just be kind, be patient, right. And, um, be respectful of other people. That's it. That's my message for the day. Hey, just close out on this. What are you looking at here coming forward? Let's let's drive some more uh, people back to Housing Wire. We want to make sure they're subscribing to a variety of different newsletters you have. Pulse is, of course, uh, a very good one. But what's coming around the bend that you're working on as far as articles or content? Yes, yeah, so actually, uh, James Kleiman is working on the Billionaire Boys Club. So we had Sean Panosian on, uh, but he's not the only one who's hit a billion this year as an individual contributor, whatever, not a company. And so we, I think we have four people on that list. Um, we're, we've had lots of people reach out, are but they we all have boys? to be able to, yeah, they are. Okay. Cause I have a woman for you. Who's done, who's exceeded a billion dollars. Oh yeah. Send her mm -hmm. my way. We want to know for sure. Kathy Haddad, Kathy Haddad, shout out to Kathy. You're probably not watching cause you're closing loans, but <laughs> yeah, I interviewed her like two years ago and yeah, she recently exceeded as well. I'll share with you her contact information. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people have reached out, uh, verifying people's uh, claims are a little bit, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time, but um, so we're, we have a story uh, coming out on that. We're also following up. Are people really moving? Is there really that urban exodus and to what extent and, and how, how, what staying power that has? So um, I think those are two stories that we're really following. So like, for example, is New York becoming a ghost town? Yeah. And, and also like, um, is it, is it really going, is it just like, one level out from New York? Is it one ring out or is it, is it Maine and, and, you know, uh, Jersey shore, whatever is it, you know, how far out are people going or is it really just like the next level out where you can get a yard and a, you know, a little bit more space. And so that's kind of what we're trying to find out. There's lots of hype around it, but, um, finding out the real, the real, uh, facts is different. 
Yeah, for sure. That sounds like a lot of work to dig into that. So I love the title, Billionaire Boys Club, right? Um, uh, so uh, I look forward to when that information comes out. Lots of interesting stuff to learn from there if you're an originator and want to get some insights. So once again, tomorrow, check back out to housingwire.com and you'll be able to read it. Okay, cool. Tomorrow, housingwire.com, Billionaire Boys Club coming out with an edition of, right? Uh, women, you know, powerful women featured as well, coming soon. Right. <laughs> I, I can't wait to add in a, a woman's list. Yeah, absolutely. Right. For sure. You know, that's funny. I was talking to somebody a while back about that, like looking back to, you know, the old days of the industry, right? 20 years ago, it was much more of a boys club, but man, there are just so many women that are killing it in, in the space right now and doing an amazing job. And I don't have to tell you, right. We got to give them the proper attention, but for a long time it was, um, you know, kind of a male dominant space, but no longer. I think that's good news all around. The, the more diversity, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, listen, you guys know what to do if you're watching. First of all, thank you for watching. Where are you watching from? Appreciate it. Sarah Wheeler, once again, thank you. Sure. All right, take, keep it down, audience. Thank you to Housing Wire as well for participating on this. So we'll see you back here, I believe, in two weeks. So it's twice a month. What's hot in housing? Check your social feeds. Make sure you click that little like button to follow. Be reminded so you don't miss another live episode. And uh, this has been Jeff Zimfer, host of the Mortgage Marketing Radio podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the daily download today. And I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on the podcast so you don't miss out on the news of the day as we continue to share the hottest topics in the industry every weekday. And with that, that's a wrap on today's podcast episode. Catch everyone here again on Monday.